Welcome to Passion Life Church. Thank you, thank you. Can we give it up for your pastor really quick? What an incredible man of God. Um, pastor Phil, like he said, he's been a friend for about 10 years, and I had the privilege of getting to meet him at a youth conference that we were both speaking at. Now, I was the junior high director at my church at the time, and I was coming in to preach the junior hires, which is like being paid to take come in and uh, just babysit for about an hour and a half. Um, and he was, he was one of the main speakers for that, for that session. And, and I'll never forget it because uh, that night when he spoke, it, like, it spoke to me. I can still remember the message. I can remember the illustration. The illustration was phenomenal. Uh, and uh, there was a tagline that he had in it, and I still use it to this day. And we just kind of hit it off from then and have been friends. And um, we've probably, we probably talk at least once every few months, and, and we've just stayed in contact for 10 years. And you, you know when, when you're able to, to stay in contact for that long, God has uh, a reason for it. And I believe that we are in each other's lives, and you're such a, a great friend to, to us, and I appreciate you, man. I'm, I'm, it's an honor to be here this morning. I love your church. Already walked in and just it, the, to experience what you got going on here. You talk about Passion Life Church. If you have passion in the name of your church, you better have some passion when you walk through the door. Do you know what I'm saying? And uh, you have some music going on. I, you know, you get out and I'm like, where's the music coming from? I'm like, this is great. You, you already got some music coming in. You got the welcome team. They got the shirts on. You're ready to go. Uh, Bobby's up here with his tighter than heaven jeans on and it's amazing. Um, I always say that the tighter the jeans, the more spiritual you are. And so Bobby's the most spiritual person in the room. Um, but that's because he's from Tennessee and only good people come from Tennessee or Seattle. That's always what I say. Uh, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, break it down. Uh, but, it, 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 you know, you come in. I, I walked into the, the, uh, where the kids are meeting, and you just got kids running around. People got smiles on. I, I'm, I'm so proud of you, church. Way to do church well today. Uh, volunteers, way to serve well today. Way to love on people well today. It's exciting to come into a place. Because uh, when you go away from your home church, you, you want to walk into something. And, and, and you know, today I got... I got filled up. You know, I got saved at that, uh, the offering message. I don't know if anybody else did. Uh, if he had done an altar call, I'd been like, yeah, I got some issues. You know, I didn't want to jump, but I was thinking about it. It's so good to be in the house today. You got an incredible church, and I'm excited to be with you. Um, uh, like, like he was saying, we, we are originally from Seattle, Washington, and we parachute planted. It means you, you move into a city that you know nobody. We didn't take a team with us, and we just literally dropped in and... Uh, I don't recommend this, but we literally sold everything that we owned, packed it into our little uh, hatchback Kia Spectra 5, and moved my two kids and my wife and I uh, all the way to Nashville, Tennessee, 2,500 miles away from everything that I knew, family that I knew. My, uh, both parents and in-laws were out on the West Coast, and uh, the church that I came from had a really good uh, income and was, was flourishing there, but we just felt the call of God. And we had to go. And I wish I could say, like, man, it's just been the greatest thing in the world. And it has, but it's been difficult. It's been a road of uphill struggles at times. But God is faithful. And what he can do in the midst of your life, and even what you can feel like the valleys, when you come out of those valleys, you're, you're, you're so much stronger. You're so much more stabilized. You're so much more focused and founded in the word of God when you focus in on the things of God. And um, it's just been an incredible journey. And we've had some incredible things just in the last few weeks weeks that have taken uh, shape for us, and uh, we just know that God's hand is on this. We are in a city where the median age is 26 years old, and so millennials uh, thrive in bunches, and if you've ever been around a millennial, you, you, you get my struggle. Um, 
I love millennials, don't get me wrong, I feel called to it. I feel like that's, that's our place and that's where we're, we're meant to be, but it is a struggle. And millennials, guess what they don't have? They don't have money. Um, and so they don't understand what it means to have money or what to do with that money. Because when they get money, they're like, oh, I'm going to go buy me my tight jeans. Um, I love you, Bobby. You're a good man. Uh, somebody had to get picked on. If you just weren't so good looking, it would probably be worse. But you're fine. You can make up for it. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's an incredible call. And we've been, for the last few weeks, we've been really hitting the ground running. And right now... Uh, we've seen, and just in the last few weeks, we, we have a young man that came and is in our community, and he's two years clean now and has is, is broken an addiction of, of heroin in his life. Um, he, he, he's coming out of 27 uh, felonies. He basically one night got so, uh, so high and so messed up, he was walking down the street, breaking and entering into cars, and just kept breaking into 27 cars, and they charged him for every single one of them. By the, by the grace of God, the judge literally uh, gave him a suspended sentence, and it was crazy. He didn't have to go to jail. He just has uh, uh, basically a year of uh, whatever you call that. Um, yeah, probation. Thank you. You're helping me preach. Um, a year of probation, and um, he's, he's in our community. And just a few weeks ago, we got to baptize him and his girlfriend, um, and he just celebrated two years clean. We, have another, we, we were in our small group this past Sunday, and we have two ladies in there that they've never purchased a Bible. They've never had a Bible in their lives. And so we're sitting there talking. I'm like, hey, guys, let's open up to John 1. And they're like, well, what version are you reading out of? And then I was like, well, I'm reading, reading out of this. And they're like, well, what does the versions mean? I'm like, well, where's your Bible? Like, we don't have one. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, let's go get you a Bible. Like, let's get, let's get moving forward. And then one of our girls was like, hey, I had a breakthrough. And we're like, what's your breakthrough? She's like, I prayed out loud uh, this week. And we're just like, this is the context of what we're working with. And we've got these baby Christians and these people who have no concept of God and understanding of God. And, and we're just giving them new life. And it's amazing to be a part of. So if I could ask for anything from you, would you pray for us? Uh, we're stepping into a new season right now where we're partnering with another church that's actually helping us get a building and going to help us reach uh, downtown Nashville. We're going to be within four miles of Vanderbilt University, Belmont University, and Lipscomb University. There's 25,000 college students right there within a four-mile radius of us to reach and go after. And so would you pray for us and, and help us believe that we're going to reach these kids? We go back on Saturday, and I've got four Vanderbilt students uh, coming over for dinner that I've never met before, and we're, just, we're believing that God's going to continue to give us path ways into these universities and into people's hearts within our community. And so we're just excited about what God is doing. So uh, just pray for us and everything that we've got going on. Amen. Well, we are going to continue into our series, Uphill Habits. Um, who's gotten out a lot out of this during this series? This has been an incredible series and, and talking about our habits and believing that our habits, our habits are the greatest uh, focus in our lives that are going to help us take us to new levels in our lives. Um, I, I believe if we can get our habits under control and focused, they can be powerful in our lives. They can produce great fruit in our lives. And it, it's an incredible thing. The overarching theme to our series is that most people have uphill hopes and downhill habits. If we were honest, at the beginning of the new year, who, who immediately went into the things that you wanted to correct in your life? Anybody? Is it just me? Okay, You're just awesome. She's out there. She's with me. I'll just preach to you today. And, and she's like, yes, amen. She's smiling. Our eyes are open. It's good. It's fine. I'm not the best person to preach to because I'll be like getting it all, but I'll be looking at you like, mm-hmm, cool. Right. You're amazing. Keep doing what you do. Uh, you come in with hopes. Like for me, immediately, I want, I want to get in better shape. 
Uh, I, I want my, my goal every single year, I feel like I come in and I want to read more books. Anybody want to read more in your life? So I'm always like, I'm going to set a goal of 200 books. And it's like, Todd, that's astronomically ridiculous. Like, calm down. Can you just have a realistic goal? Can, you know, like for some reason, my wife always gets mad at me because it's like when I want to do something, I'm like 900 miles an hour. And it's like, can, Todd, can you just have a realistic goal in your life? Like, I want to work out and I want to lose 50 pounds tomorrow. It's like, Todd, that's just not, you know, calm down. Just have something realistic. Like, take one step and, and move towards it. And so this year I've decided I want to read 24 books, which I think is, you know, a realistic more realistic to a month. No? Okay, help me. Pray for me, everybody. But you come in and you have these hopes and you want, you want better relationships and you want better finances and you want, you want better response in, in your job or you want the promotion or you want better relationship connectivity with your kids. And you have these hopes, but the problem is, is our hopes are only good enough as our habits that follow up with them. You can't, have, you can't be hopeful that your relationship with your son or daughter is going to be good if you don't have habits that are going to benefit them. If you don't work on the habit and not just the hope, we will end up another year of 2017 or 2016 or 2015, and it could have been rough, and you could get frustrated at the end of it because, yeah, you had high hopes, but our habits were downhill. The thing is, we got to flip it. we got to have some uphill habits we got to have our habits that are taking us to some places. And the reality is, is uphill is not easy. It means you got to work to get up the grade. you got to work that thing out. And that means that you got to do some work. you got to fight for it. you got to put in the hard effort. But the payoff is amazing. And the habits will take over. Habits are powerful in your life. You ever been driving in your car? And, and you're used to your normal routine of work, and maybe it's Saturday, and you're going to the shopping market, which is the opposite direction of your work, but you end up getting on the freeway going towards work. Anybody? Is that just me? Because I'm crazy. That's, that's habit. That's the way your brain works. It connects to your normal routine. And, and that's what we do in our lives. That's why, when, that's why people with uh, addictions, they, they continually fall back into it because the habit of addiction is greater than their want to get out of it. And when they want to get out of it, they don't set new patterns and new habits to break the old addiction to get into a new life. That's why this thing is so important. Aristotle says we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. And if you were to look at your life today and get real honest without anybody else knowing in your own mind, in your own heart, what, are, what is it that you repeatedly do today? What is it that you repeatedly do? You know, sometimes I have to ask that question to myself constantly. What's the first thing that I do in the morning? What's the last thing that I do before I go to bed? What am I repeatedly, repeatedly doing? How do I respond to my children? How do I, re, how do I repeatedly respond to my children? How do I repeatedly respond to my wife? How do I repeatedly respond to God? Because these are the habits that make up our life. And what you repeatedly do, you are. I feel that the big problem and complication to most of our lives is we see a problem or something that needs to be changed in our lives. And we go to work diligently on it. I'm going to get in better shape. I'm going to read more books. I'm going to do the best that I can. And we go to our best effort. But the problem is our best effort will never be good enough when it's not connected and grounded in God. If we just constantly go after our own ability, our own strength, and our own stuff, 
we will only find misery. But the greatest thing that is in, in front of us today is that we have a God who loves us, a God who cares about us, and a God who cares about your habits. You know, here's the crazy thing that we think about this is sometimes we want to get uh, super over-spiritual and that, like, instantaneously things are broken in our lives. And I believe that that can be, but I also believe in processing. And I believe that God processes through our life. I believe he pulls things out. He weans things out. He filters things out to get you to a place where you can be stronger and happier and more successful in your life. And the thing is, is he will process with you to build stronger and greater habits. Romans 12, 2, which has been our theme verse throughout the series, it says, fix your attention on yourself. Whoa, that's not what it says, is it? Not at all. It says, fix your attention on God. Come on, somebody say God. It doesn't say fix your attention on your own ability. I think first and foremost, that's so paramount in our relationship with God is not to fix your attention on your own ability to fix your problem. See, for most of us, we will find ourselves in pits of frustration and, and unsuccess, and we will dig, we try to dig ourselves out of it. God has not asked you to dig yourself out of the pit you've put yourself in. He wants to help you out of it. He's right there with you, holding your hand, walking with you, digging you out of it. If we will simply obey his word and link up with him, God can do so much more in our lives. If we will fix our eyes, our attention, our gaze upon God. It says you will be changed from the inside out. You see, we want to change from the outside in, and God wants to strengthen us from the inside out. Out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. God wants to bring the best out of us. You know, when I got saved at uh, 19, 19 years old, which was like two weeks ago, um, <laughs> so wrong, uh, I had immediately I had this picture. It was this, this kind of a crazy supernatural thing that still exists into my life today, but he had the, God placed this picture of the Todd that I, I want to be. And it's this incredible man of God who reads his Bible, who prays fervently, who believes in people, who, who preaches amazingly, but he's, he loves Jesus, he loves his family, he loves God, and it's this picture of who I could be, the best version of myself. And it's sitting in the back of my head always, it's always there. And, and there's days when I get up and I'm frustrated because I'm not any closer to it. And there's days when I get up, I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting closer. I'm getting more in, in line with that. And I believe God shows me that not to frustrate me, but to inspire me of who I can be. And, and the reality is, is there is a best version of ourselves. And God wants you to be the best version of yourself. Do you believe that today? That God wants you to be the best version of who you could be. He wants you to be this loving, caring individual with kindness and grace and compassion, who's generous in life, who's generous in gesture, who, who cares about people around you, who has great habits. And I believe He wants the best version of yourself. But the thing is, is that we've got to have some habits that create that best version for us. But I'm so glad that God doesn't leave us to our own demise, that he will help us. And he wants to bring out the best thing for you with well-formed maturity. I think that's so important. Well-formed maturity in you. That is process. That is habit. 
That's why each week we've given you a habit during the series to help you with some of these God habits, these God habits. So week one, we put, uh, put God first. Week one, you guys remember this? Put God first and live a God first life. I think Pastor Phil said that so uh, perfectly during the offering. Week two was control my thoughts. Anybody ever lose control of your thoughts? Uh, I, I always talk about having mind monsters. You ever have mind monsters that ravage your life, that eat away at your thinking? Sometimes I have to go, you ever see that movie Beautiful Mind? When he has to say, it's not real, it's just not real. I have to do that to myself. Now, I don't see people. I mean, I, mean, I don't see people that are not there. That would be, I'm blind. Um, I don't see people that are not real, but I, I see, you can feel things and you make up things that are not real. And I have to remind myself that that thought isn't real. That emotion isn't real. That's not what's really playing out here. That's not what they really meant. Because you can get all, all frustrated and you can get, you know, get your, 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 your life all out of whack because, you know, maybe Pastor Phil comes in and he's like, hey, you got a, you got a spot on your shoe. You should clean that off, you know, and he walks away. And, and then you immediately just, like, go off on a tangent, like, he hates my shoes. You know, he, hates, he hates my shoes. You know what? I don't think he just hates my shoes. I think he hates my whole outfit. I think he hates my whole outfit. I think he says I dress like a slob. I think he thinks, you know what? I don't even think he likes me. That guy doesn't even like me. I've been going to this church for two years, and I tithe, and I'm faithful, and I serve, and he doesn't even like me. You think that you think like well, that's crazy, but the reality is, is we do that in so many parts of our lives, and that's why we got to control our thoughts. Week three was keep my life aligned with my purpose. This is, this is an incredible, I wish I was here for this with you guys. Uh, so, uh, it can be so easy to let the casual creep in. Let the casual creep into our lives. We must continue to align our lives, our heart, our values with God's purpose. And our final habit is a big one. This is huge. It's one that has uh, shaped you more than you realize. And today's habit will help you maintain the other three habits. So habit number four, if you're writing this down, take this down. It says, choose my relationships carefully. Choose my relationships carefully. You are who you are and where you are because of the people that have been in your life, good or bad. Now, for some of you, you, you know, you didn't get to choose some of the people that were in your life. You know, you got moms and dads and sisters and brothers and Thank God for them, and sometimes you bless them with a brick, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Depending on your situation. Thank you. <laughs> you are the sum total of your relationships. Your relationship decisions are the most important decisions you will make in your life. You know, uh, we always say this as youth pastors growing up, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. But it's not just for youth ministry. It's for life. Show me your friends, and I will be able to show you who you are as an individual. I will show you your character. I will be able to pick you up. All you need to do, I don't even need to meet you. I, I can, you can just come up to me and say, my name is so-and-so. Those are my friends, and I can get to know them, and I can tell you exactly who you are. I can tell you your character. I can tell you if you're a procrastinator. I can tell you if you're on it, if you're driven, if you, just based off of your friends. It's incredible what our friendships and relationships will do in our lives. Proverbs 27, 19 says, a mirror reflects a man's face. Well, duh. That's what a mirror does. It reflects a man's face. 
But what he is really like is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses. This is the Bible, y'all. This is, I'm not, did you hear that, y'all? That's Nashville. <laughs> what you are real like is shown by your friends. Now, a mirror can't even reflect the way that your friends will reflect who you are, is what the Bible is saying. But what I love is that last word. It says choose. Everybody say choose. It says choose. You have a choice in this. You have a choice in this process when it comes to your friendships. You have a choice in the healthiness or the emptiness of your relationships. You have a choice in who's going to be a part of your life and who is not going to be a part of, of your life. And I think a lot of times we, we just live our lives about what just comes at us rather than choosing who's going to be a part of it. We just let anybody come in. Well, you have interest in me? Okay. I, I, as a young man, this is kind of how I dated. If a girl had interest in me, I was like, hello. How are you? You're not a Christian? Neither am I. Let's, let's go do something. You like, you like food? I like food. Okay. Let's go. It, it just didn't matter. It was just like I had no boundaries. I had, I had no alignment. I had just, it was like, hey, you're a girl. I'm a boy. Let's, let's hang out, me and you. And I had to get some choices in my life. And so today I want to give you four relationship choices that you need to make. Four relationship choices that you need to make. And we're going to go through these pretty quickly. And so number one, you need to nurture my important relationships. Nurture my important relationships. We all have important relationships. God, spouse, family, your best friends, your children, your parents. These, these are important relationships, and we, here, here's the truth. We have to build these relationships. Uh, there, there's a, a, a test that was done that says if you don't have relational connectivity within a 30-day span, you will lose that relationship. You will lose the closeness. You will lose the connectivity that's within that, and, and, and you, you can lose sight of that. You, you know, I think when it comes to this, I think we lose sight of to nurture our marriages, we get into the flow of life, work gets going, uh, we, we get busy, we have kids, we, we have savings accounts, we have mortgages to pay, we have all the things that are going on, I've got church, I've got to serve, I've got this, I've got going, and, and we lose sight that we haven't been on a date in our marriage for the last six years. And, and then what happens is you hear people say that the fire's gone out. Well, the fire's gone now, or, or we've just kind of gone our separate ways. You don't just go your separate ways. The fire doesn't just go out. You don't look at a fireplace and go, well, there's no fire in there. That's a bad fireplace. You've got to have wood, and you've got to have matches. You've got to have kindling. You've got to have some newspaper. Anybody, you know what I'm saying? And if you want fire in your relationship, then you need to, like, stir yourself up a little bit. Maybe for some of us, we need to just go home today and say, we're clearing the books because we're going to go out on a date. I'm going to stoke the fire of our relationship tonight, you know. I'm going to go get us a hotel room. Only if you're married, Zach, calm down. <laughs> Zach, like he said, I get a hotel room. I don't even have a girlfriend. I don't know. Are you single? He's engaged. You definitely get in a hotel room, bro. Calm down. You got some time before that happens. Bobby, can you get a hotel room? Okay, good. Bobby can go. Um, 
You wear those tight pants, bro. <laughs> Sorry, we'll bring it back. PG-13 for all the... But you, you stoke that thing, man. Get that thing going. Like, like build your marriage. Love, love your wife. Love your husband. Remember that however long ago you, you stood at an altar and you committed before God, and everybody, but you loved them passionately. There was a, it's a good marriage. There's nothing wrong with it other than what you've brought into it. And so if we could just believe in a greater marriage, if we can build a greater marriage, if we can start doing things that will produce a better marriage for us. How about our children? Pray for me. I got a, teen, a tween. She's 11. And it's just, I need Jesus right now. Okay. One day she's a little girl and she's got her teddy bears and she's running around and she's calling me daddy. And the next day she comes out looking like she's 15 and she's like, I want a phone. I'm like, you aren't getting anything ever. Okay, I'm so, my daughter would be so mad if I'm saying it. So I've been sick, if you can kind of hear it. I've got some congestion, and my, my wife goes down. She's putting my daughter to bed, and this is what a tween does. I just want to give you some, so don't judge her, okay? Don't judge. Just giving you some context here of what a tween is. And so she goes, my wife goes down, and she's like, babe, you just got to pray for your daddy. He's just not feeling good. She rolls over. And looks at my, uh, my wife and goes, he's not dying. <laughs> my wife got up, walked out, slammed the door. And then my daughter comes in the next morning and she's little girl again. She's like, mom, I'm really sorry. I love dad. I prayed for him last night. And Mike and my wife, she's like, good. I prayed for you. <laughs> that the demon would be extracted from you. It's fine. It's fine. You guys don't worry about me. I'm okay. Um. I relate, but here, here's the thing that I've had to had to go from being a father of two children to now being a father of a teenager, and it's. I remember the day that it happened. We went to a a Christmas uh, like Christmas light show where they set all the lights to to music and it's fun and you go through this park and it's called Jellystone. I mean that alone is just kid friendly, hot chocolate Jellystone Christmas light park. Yes. Sign me up. And so we are going through this park, and my daughter is miserable. She's like, I don't like any of it. I don't like that light. That light's stupid. I hate this. I don't want hot chocolate, Dad. I want an Americano. Um, and I just, okay, she's not that bad, I promise. I may be building this up just a little too much. Um, if she, <laughs> it's <clears throat> very cathartic for me, okay? So um, if she was here, she'd hate me. Um, she is not, though. Um, and so I remember that moment of realizing I don't have a child anymore. I have, I have a teenager. And it was heartbreaking. But I have to get over my heartbreak because now I've got a teenager that I've got to see to. I can't just hold on to the old and expect my daughter to raise herself and be like, well, I loved you when you were a child. And when you get to adulthood, let's talk again. Um, we've got to invest into the. I've, I'm the greatest source in my daughter's life right now. And no, I don't care how she treats me. I'm just going to keep telling her I love her. I don't care how she responds to me. I'm going to keep telling her that God's got a great purpose for her. And she's an amazing child. Don't get me wrong. I mean, she really is. She's phenomenal. She's just a, just a tween. She's just figuring it out. 
But for some of us, we have lost sons and daughters, prodigals that are out there, and we are the greatest source in their lives. And your prayers are powerful for them. And we need to nurture those relationships. We can't just shove them aside and expect something to be different. We've got to nurture them. We've got to fight for them. We've got to believe for them. Some of us are, are, are so frustrated with in-laws and family and all that stuff that we've isolated ourselves away from relationships that can benefit us. And we need, to, we need to nurture these relationships. Uh, look what it says in 1 Peter 4, 7, 3. The end of all things is near. Therefore, to be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And this is what I want you to hear. Above all, love each other deeply. Above all, love each other deeply. Is it hard to love each other sometimes? Yes, it is. But it's beneficial. It's profound. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Number two, restore my broken relationships. So our first one, nurture my important relationships. Number two, restore my broken relationships. Forgiveness is, the, is paramount in our lives. And, and don't you think it's incredible that God, when he, or Jesus, when he teaches, you're the same person, so uh, when he teaches the disciples to pray, he, he teaches them to ask for forgiveness daily. I think, this is, I think this is paramount in our lives, that we should be praying for forgiveness daily in our lives. I think we should actually be praying for offenses that could be coming our way. I, I don't know if you've ever thought that way. Like, sometimes it's like, whoa, I never thought, like, I could be offended tomorrow. It's like, yeah, you could be offended tomorrow. I know it's crazy. Something bad could come your way. But he teaches his disciples to pray for forgiveness. And to forgive others as God has forgiven us. And, and God will forgive us the same measure in which we forgive. That's crazy. We, I think we lose sight of that sometimes. And so if we, are, if we are generous with our forgiveness, God will be generous with us. But if we're tight with our forgiveness, God's tight with his forgiveness for us. And that is, that's just the word of God. I, I'm not, like, making that up. That's not something I'm just trying to, like, scare you with or, or put at you. It's the reality of our lives. And so with that, I want to be, a generous in my, I want to be generous in my forgiveness. And there's some people in our lives today that we need to forgive. And now, I don't ever want to downplay your hurt. I don't ever want to downplay what you've been through because some of us have been hurt really bad. We've, we've gone through a lot. And, and, and for some of us, if we were to tell our stories, it would, it would scare other people because of the pain that we've been inflicted on. But today, to get to a place where we can forgive, your life is going to be better. Forgiveness is meant to set you free, not the other person free. It's meant to be free in your spirit. How is your soul? Because your, your spirit is confined when forgiveness is withheld. And, and today, for some of us, we need to leave this room and we need to start texting some people and say, hey, I need to chat, I need to talk, I need to sit down with you because I need to get this out. Or I need to send a text of I, I, I'm just going to start here today because I can't even meet with you face to face, but I want to forgive you. And maybe today it's just that it comes out in a prayer. Today, God, help me forgive this person and help me forgive this name. And, and, and then tomorrow you say it again and you say it again until you actually, your spirit starts lining up with your words. It, it, it's movement forward. Restore my broken relationships. It says in Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness is a step forward. Number three, sever any harmful relationships. 
Sever any harmful relationships. These are the relationships you just know that they're not good. These are the ones that maybe they're flirtatious. You're married and you're, you've got flirtatious relationships going on at work. Or, or you got things, you, you know, you're on Facebook and you've got messages going back and forth that just don't need to be going back and forth. I, I, I heard about a couple, a married couple, that were having an affair on Facebook and they were meeting, they met, they had each met a different person on Facebook, and they had set up this meeting because they had not met face-to-face yet, and they set up these meetings to go and meet these people, and when they got there, it was each other. And then they got mad that it was each other, and then they got a divorce over it. And it's like, wait, hold on, let's, let's think about this for a second. You're both miserable. You haven't been nurturing the relationship, so you go looking for something else, and you've been flirting, and so it's pulled you away, and so you've been building something else, and then you get to this place where you meet each other, and it's each other, when you could have this whole time been building this thing the right way anyways, and fighting through your frustrations, now you went looking because the grass is greener on the other side. Listen, the grass is greener where you water it. And if the grass is greener on the other side, the water bill's higher, okay? So it just is what it is. The grass is greener where you water it. And, and, and for some of us, we've got to let go of some relationships. And really, honestly, in a room this size, there's, there's people in the room that are, are going down some of these tracks. Maybe, maybe it's just mentally right now, or maybe it's starting to go down Facebook. Now, don't look around because you'll give yourself away. That'd be awkward, and nobody wants to see that. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta cut these things off. This is, you know, I know we're joking, but it's not a laughing matter. Your marriage is the most important relationship in your life. If that means you would have to leave, uh, leave this state, leave this country, leave everything to contain your marriage and to keep it safe and to keep it healthy, as long as you stayed connected to Passion Life Church, you you fight for that marriage. And that means you've got to get some of these relationships out. Now, some of you need to text and say, lose my number, we're done talking. Or some of you just need to delete the number and never respond again. Some of you need to delete your own Facebook account. This is, it's your situation, it's your life, it's your thing, but you've got to fight for your marriage. And some of us have relationships that are taking us in places that we have no business being. These, these can be relationships at work. We, we just want to fit in sometimes, and so we just get in where we fit in. But that those people start deteriorating what we believe in. And at first we're like, uh, yeah, you know, I believe in God. And they're like, what, God? And then you're like, yeah, what is God? You know, and you kind of, you slowly trickle away from what you believed in because of the people that you're around. And one day you'll wake up, it's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. It's, it's not instantaneous. It's not overnight. It's a slow fade. It's like, do you ever talk to people and be like, hey, do you go to church? I'm like, yeah, I used to go to church like 10 years ago. Be like, well, what happened? And they'll say, I don't know. That's the problem. The problem is you don't know. And you've got to be, you got to be on your game. You've got to be forceful. You've got to be coherent when it comes to these relationships. You choose these relationships. You ever, do you ever have a friend that's just so negative, like everything they say is like just super negative, and you're like, dear God, can you just say something nice about somebody other than yourself? You know that you choose to be around them? Now, maybe it's a work relationship. That's what headphones are for. Jesus' name. 
Or you just keep saying, you know, just get like super spiritual with them. And just get, they'll be like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Bless you, brother. Have a good day. Holy Spirit cover you in Jesus' name. All right. Do you want to do some communion with me later? I'm going to go into the bathroom and baptize myself once again. Sorry. They'll be like, I'm going away. It's not necessarily the greatest way to get people who are unchurched, but you never know. You never know. I'm just throwing that out there. Sever some harmful relationships. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. It's time to release yourself from some of these relationships that are hindering you. Now, can I just, let me put a precursor out there, because some of you are like, you could be getting fired up, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to cut these things off. You walk out today, and you get it like, you're bad for me, and I'm done with you. Don't do that. I'm just going to put it out there. Maybe just distance yourself for a little bit and, you know, pray for them. And just, like, if they need something, you can be there for them, but maybe you're not always around, and you're not always in their airspace, and you're not going to everything that they do, and you're not inviting them to everything that you do. It's Don't just blow people up, okay, because we still need to love people uh, through this process, all right? But number four, initiate some meaningful relationships. So the other three were pretty tough. This one's, this one's fun, okay? Initiate some meaningful relationship. A lot of people say that they want this, they want meaningful relationships, but they don't take the necessary steps to create these types of relationships in their life. You may want this, but you've got to create this in your life. Uh, you got to get in the habit of building great relationships. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, you know, the thing that I've realized is that in my life, I'm a very, uh, I like my space. I'm, I'm an introvert. I know that seems weird as I'm up here, but this is a different space. And after, I'll be exhausted and want to go hibernate. Um, it's just who I am. It's the way I'm built. And, um, but with that, I have to force myself to go out. I have to force myself to meet people. Um, do you ever get in the habit of like you make plans with somebody to go out and you'll go hang out or you're, you're going to have a, a double date or a dinner and then you, you get to, like, you know, maybe a couple hours before and you start getting anxiety and you're like, I don't really want to go. And like you start thinking of reasons why you can't go. That's me. That's, and so I'm, <laughs> yes, see, somebody else gets me. Um, and then I, I used to cancel all the time. And I had a friend that came to me and be like, listen, I know why you're canceling. And I'm like, no, you don't. He's like, yes, I do. Um, He's like, you need to stop this. And I'm like, you need to stop this. What this is happening right now, stop it. And he's like, no, you need to stop. You need to start and you need to get around people. You need to force yourself to be around people and to build relationships. And he says, because you will isolate yourself. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, but I hate you. Um, and I've realized that I have to force myself to do it. So I've just learned that uh, I'm going to do it no matter what. I don't care how I'm feeling in the moment. I'm just going to get out there and I'm going to go build this thing. And that's what you have to do sometimes is you've got to make yourself uncomfortable. And, and I, I want to help us. I want to land on this thought really quickly and, and help us 
how to build some really great and meaningful relationships in our lives. And we want to master this habit, okay? We want to master this habit of choosing friends wisely and choosing friends that are going to help benefit our lives. And so I'm going to give you four more things, okay? I know I already gave you four, but we're going to get another four, okay, really quickly. And how to get these relationships in our lives that are going to benefit us is we need to develop my relationship with my church. Somebody should just say amen right there. Yeah. It's important to see that my church is, is the best place to nurture great relationships in my life. And the, you know what's really important is to see it that it's my church. That, that it's not Pastor Phil's church. That, that's not my friend's church. It's not my neighbor's church. It's not that church down the street. It's not that church that meets in the high school. It's my church. And for some of us, we may be, have been coming here a few weeks and, and you need to change your vocabulary and your vernacular from that church to my church. And there's something powerful when you make that context, that change. Because it goes from being somebody else's thing to my thing. And when it's my thing, that becomes important to me. It's my church. And, and, and here's the thing. I think all over the place it says, you belong here. Can, can I tell you something, friend? You belong here. It's not just a slogan, I'm going to inject myself into the life of this church right here, right now. You belong here. It's not just a slogan for us. It's something we mean because we believe in who you are as a person because God created you and loves you. He died on a cross for you, raised again so that you could have life and life to the full. And so when we say you belong here, it's because we know that God has meaning for you and we know that God has relationships for you and we know that God has healing for you and that he wants you to sit in these seats so that you can have something to connect your life to other than just your own self. You belong here. And can I say this? You belong before you believe. You don't even need to believe what we believe today. It's going to come if you keep sitting in those seats. But let me tell you, wherever you're at today, you don't need to believe what we believe today. You just need to connect yourself to something that's greater than yourself. And you find God move dramatically in your situation. Amen? Ephesians 2.19 says, you are the members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. This, this is something God's called us to do. Corporately and as in, in individual small groups. We can get into that too. You will do better when you belong and find your purpose in belonging. Let me just say this today. After service today, we've got growth track today, right? If you've never taken growth track today, today's your day. Can I tell you, if you have plans after service and you're not already going to be in growth track, you need to cancel your plans. So some of you just need to make a step, a definitive step. You need, to, you need to draw a line in the sand and say, this is my church. This is my home. This is what I'm going to be a part of. I'm going to connect my life to this church, to Pastor Phil, and to these people. Uh, if you're a young adult, you get yourself around Zach and get yourself, if you want to be in the worship team, you've got to get yourself around Bobby. You, you need to connect your life to the life of this church. You want passion in your life? We're at Passion Life Church. So connect yourself to something that's greater than yourself. And what a great way. We, we've got a pathway for you to find an entrance into you being connected. Connected more. Go to growth track today. You don't need to pray about it. You just need to do it. You know, some people are like, oh, I'm going to go pray about it. It's like praying to be baptized. No, you're called and commanded to be baptized. You just do it, and it's something that you get blessed for. Your life will be blessed for it. Amen? Number two, develop my relationship with godly friends. Where do you meet godly people? 
in the house of God. You know, it's like, I'm going to go to the bar and see if I can find a Christian. <laughs> I'm going to go to that club. Are you, are you a Christ follower? I see you, got a, I see you got a cross on. Looks good. Are you a Christ follower? No, you're not. Okay. Yeah. Jesus is number one. Okay. Um, you got to develop godly relationships. Acts 2.44 says, all the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. The best place for you to find some godly relationships, small groups. Because here's the thing is, it's, it's the secret to building godly relationships. This is, and, and here's why you're like, you're like, well, that's just a church thing. No, no, that's, that's a God thing. If you look at the, old, or the Acts First Testament church, this is what they did. They met corporately, and then they met in house-to-house meetings. Is exactly what it says. And they would break bread together. It means they ate. They just ate food. They hung out. Who loves food? I do. I don't even care what you talk about in your small group. This is that you have a small group. As long as you're praying and believing in each other, then you're meeting for the right reasons. Because here's the thing that you need to find in your small group. You need to be able to remove your mask long enough so people can see who you really are. And that means that, that so not so they, they, they can judge you, but so that you can bring your stuff into the light so that you can find healing and forgiveness into your life. And so that somebody can see, really see you for who you really are and not just keep hiding all this stuff and never allowing God to heal you from the inside out. That's what a small group does. That, that's what you do is you go in, you connect, you talk. I'm sorry, I'm taking forever. Are we okay? You're, you're in the shadows. Okay, good. Amen, brother. I love it. Um, you find community, and hope is found in the context of community. Connect yourself to a small group, and I'm sure there's, is there a, a, a table? Is there something they can talk to? They talk to you? They talk to, talk to Zach? They talk to Skinny Jeans? What? Okay. All of the above. Number three, develop my relationship with a team. You never do anything significant in life alone. You are not meant to be an island to yourself. Ecclesiastes 4, 8 through 9 says, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. There, you know, my son's right now is in... Is in uh, intramural basketball. He's in, he's in third grade, and he's not scored a point yet. He's really good on defense and has no concept of rebounding yet, so he's just like, he's really good at covering his guy, but all of that kind of stuff, and I, I last week after his game, because he's got the biggest kid on his team, and he scores all the points, and it's really annoying and awesome all at the same time, um, and my son, who's big as well, but just hasn't got the game down yet. And he's running around and he's doing his thing. And I'm just like, bud, are, how, how are you feeling about it? He's like, I love it. I love it. He's like, it's so fun. Practices are fun. The games are fun. And I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, I just, I'm glad. He's like, I just love being on a team. And that, that's what I, I remember. Like, if you look back when you were playing in, in those types of things, it was fun just to be around the people. You know, being on a team here at church is just as fun. You, you, you know, that same context we were talking about and that same situation we were talking about when your small group you can have within your team as well. You know, I, I, I saw earlier when, when I came in, like 10 or 945, I think it was 945, um, 
team was back here praying, the worship team back here praying. They're just in a circle praying. And you know what? I don't know what they were praying about, but who knows? Maybe in that moment, you know, somebody said, does anybody have a prayer request? And people are praying for each other, and people are talking about each other, and people in a positive way. That sounded bad. And we're talking about you behind your back. Um, we're praying for each other and believing for each other. And, you know, maybe that was going on in the kids' room, and maybe that was going on in the, the welcome team. And it's fun. It's fun. And what we get caught up in is that all of our responsibilities and all of our things that we go, going, ah, just now i got to go be on a team, and i got to go help serve. And it's like, no, I get to serve. I get to be a part of something that is helping people. You, you want to talk about seed? When we give our money and our time, something amazing happens in the context of church. All these people that come into the house that you get to serve and you get to be a part of, and, and who knows that you get to be a part of somebody's one day. You know what teams I love the most? I love the parking lot team and the greeting team because they are the first impression. They are in the first people that come. So if you ever work in the parking lot or you're forever a greeter, you need to be the most friendly person in the building, okay? You need to love people. You, never, you can never judge people. You always got to have a smile on your face. And you, I'm, just, I'm just coaching you right now if that's not who you are. You can't be like, hey, welcome. Come on in. You got to be high-fiving people. You got to be jumping around. You got to be loving that people are coming through the doors. But that's what it means to be on team. And you find great relationships with team. And at some point, you got to use your talents to build the house of God. Be on a team. Number four, and this is our last one, and we can have uh, the team come up, is develop my relationship with God. Develop my relationship with God. Jeremiah 29, 13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. You know, on a very, very serious note, for every single one of us, if you were to look at your lives today, have you ever imagined what it would look like if you just went all in with this God thing? Have you ever just imagined what it would look like if you were to go all in, that you would throw all your inhibitions aside, all your concerns and all your fears, and you just jumped in wholeheartedly? Nothing held back. And you gave everything you had to your relationship with Jesus. How different will your life look? How different will your marriage look? How different would your children's life look? And then let's do this. Let's go into the future and let's look into your grandkids into generations to come because you decided on one day on a Sunday morning to say enough is enough and I'm going to jump in wholeheartedly. I'm going to jump into my relationship with Jesus and I'm going to give him everything that I've got and then what I'm going to do is take that same passion for Jesus and I'm going to let it overflow into every area of my life and now I'm going to love people greater going to love people with a deeper sense of urgency uh, and I'm going to believe for greater days not just for my own life but for others and then I'm going to take that same passion that keeps, seems to keep overflowing and I'm going to inject it into the life of my church what if we had 150 people today that just said we're going to go wholeheartedly into this thing what could happen what could happen in your life what could happen in this city because the city needs Jesus. 
this, you know what this city needs? The city needs you. And I believe there are greater days ahead of you. I believe there are greater days ahead for this church and I believe it can even start in this moment. And I hope and I pray that we look back on and there's, there's, there's markers and be like, you remember that? You remember that five years ago when we were running 150 and that thing just happened and people just came flooding in and it wasn't because God just did something amazing because the people changed their hearts and God could move in that place. God will go as far as you're willing to let him go in your life. So how far are you willing to let him go? Will you let go of the hindrances? Will you lay down the problems? Will you let the relationships that are holding you back go? Will you press into your relationship with your spouse? Will you believe for greater things in your life today? Will you believe that God is who exactly he says he is in your life? And will you allow these habits to unfold in your existence today? I believe there are greater days for you in your life. Let me pray over you today. Father, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for uphill habits that are changing us from the inside out. God, I pray your word would go deep into our souls. And Father, I pray that this just wouldn't just be another time, another service, another moment, but God, that this would be something that changes us from the inside out. Help us connect today. Let this be a a start, God, that tomorrow we take another step and then another and then another and we run recklessly into your arms and we live passionately for you, God, that we don't hold anything back in our lives and that we can build what you've called us to build and be who you've called us to be and love the way you've called us to love. Help us to build these today. God, I pray for anybody that's holding back and is insecure about connecting with other people and building and being a part of a team and building and being a part of the church and building and being part of a small group. I pray that all fear and condemnation and concern and worry would be removed from their hearts today, God, and that they would take that next step of action. And what's so great is there's just another step of action right in front of us right after this service. So help us have the courage, God, to take that step in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.